For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett and David Johnson. Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's David Johnson at Rebels247. Today's guest on Talk of Champions is Brandon Marcello at BMarcello on Twitter, National College Football Reporter for 247 Sports. If you haven't already subscribed, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. It doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. This podcast can be found wherever you get your podcasts. Just simply search Talk of Champions. And David and I both write for the OMS Spirit. OMSpirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports. It's Tuesday morning. I'm running on fumes. David, how you doing, buddy? What's going on? How are you? I'm running on fumes. I'm tired. I'm going to be honest with you, David. This doing it in the morning thing, it's getting to me. But everything's good. It's Arkansas week. What's going on? Minio Raccoon on today oh, as God. your special guest. But nevertheless, he's probably not available. What did we learn Monday at the Manning Center? Well, you learned Lane Kiffin is married to analytics. You know, I think that's the uh, biggest take out of that. Um, and that... Uh, you know, sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong, but uh, they are what they are. So, um, you know, he did admit, Lane did admit, and he talked in depth about this, that, uh, yes, there's a certain feel and vibe to the game that sometimes override, uh, you know, what, what his book says. But, um, you know, I, I like the fact that they go for it on fourth down. You know, I was not happy. When they went for it on fourth down inside their own 30 Saturday versus Alabama. But I understand the philosophy to that. And I'm pro philosophy um, as far as that goes. I, I like it. I'm all for it. Believe in what you believe. Follow the analytics. Follow the numbers. That's fine. I will say, though, like we talked about yesterday, there is a feel to it as well. And I can understand why people are frustrated once they saw that going for it against Alabama on like the 27 or whatever it was, the 31, I can't remember. So, well, as we've been talking about here, Monday was press conference day. Didn't learn a ton from Lane Kiffin. But Sam Pittman had some things to say about Ole Miss, and let's hear from him now. This is Talk of Champions. Well, we're really excited to play Ole Miss. You know, I have a lot of returners starting on their offense, eight. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, everybody knows about Matt Corral and all the wonderful things he's doing, and he's earned all that respect that he's getting. and. They have a really good group of running backs and uh, 
Ely and Parrish and Connor. I mean, they've, they've got the rushing a ball over around 250, a little bit more than that a game, or a little less than that, I believe, a game. Great wide receivers, um, have a veteran group on offense. On defense, the portal has been very good to Ole Miss with, you know, Otis Reese transferred in from Georgia and uh, Chance Campbell in from, I believe, Maryland. And and uh, both those two kids are their top leading tacklers and and uh, they brought in some nice pass rushers, one uh, from a couple of junior colleges. So uh, their defense is playing extremely well, uh, physical, run to the ball. And uh, we're looking forward to going over there, but we know we have a great challenge and a really good football team that we're getting ready to play. Matt Corral, pretty uh, elusive and a, a great passer. How, how do you contain him or? I mean, I don't know if you stop him. How do you contain him? Well, that's a really good question because he is fast, you know, and um, they're not running as many design runs with him, you know, uh, as I thought they might. Uh, I'm sure the reason is because when he throws it, you know, there's a lot of yards gained. Uh, but we're going to have to set the edge on him. You know, uh, he obviously can take up running up the middle on us as well. But we're going to have to push the pocket. Uh, and set the edge where, you know, there's really nowhere to go. And uh, if we can do that, we'll have some success. We have to move him. If he stands in the pocket, he'll pick us apart. And uh, we we know that. But he's just a fine, fine player. Uh, you know, I went back and watched his interview after our game, and, and uh, I'm sure he's going to be really excited to play us because, in his words, he didn't play very well. And, and – uh, so we're looking for his his best effort, like he's been given uh, each and every game. But he'll probably have a little bit more on this one because of last year. Yeah, I was thinking that's going to be a really cool chess match. Is that you defended him so well? So you know what 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 the countermeasures are and what you guys come back with to try to contain their attack because you did so well last. Yeah, year. well, we'll certainly have some different things that we that we'll do this year than what we did last year. Um, we've got that in the plan and we'll see how it looks today at practice, but, uh, we can't do identically what we did last year, because if we do, he'll, he'll pick us apart. So, um, we'll certainly put some wrinkles in there on defense. An interesting facet to this game. You guys both played, you know, the big boys last week, but you didn't drop very far in the polls. You know, what do you think maybe that says about your program and their program? Well, I, you know, um, for, I can't speak for them, but for us, you know, we, you know, we've, we've played teams, you know, that are good. You know, we, we've beaten a couple of ranked teams and, and, uh, um, I, I think it says everybody has that much respect for Alabama and, and Georgia, uh, which, uh, they've given no reason not to, you know, to this point. Uh, but I think that's probably what it says. Mostly, you know, both of us were on the road in a very intimidating, hostile environment and, uh, I don't know how Ole Miss handled it. Obviously, I watched the tape, but I know it intimidated us, and uh, we didn't play very well. And part of it was because of the of um, of the crowd. Um, uh, certainly had something to do with the false starts, but uh, I think it, I think people just have a lot of respect for Alabama and, and Georgia's program. Plus, I think a lot of teams ahead of us uh, lost as well. Sam, um, you know, everybody thinks about Ole Miss, you know, passing and corral and all that, but 
they led the SEC in Russian last year. Sure and they're a pretty good Russian team. Um, I was a coach, you probably know that, but I think maybe media and fans have a misnomer. What do you think about their Russian game? And is that kind of underrated? Been underrated? Well, I think so, just because Corral's so good, you know, and their wideouts. But they have really good backs. I mean, they break tackle and they're fast. And, uh, you know, they led it last year. I don't know where they are as far as in the SEC this year, but have to be high because they're right around 250 yards a game. I, I believe that's the number. It's close to that. And, um, you know, they run a, a, a very similar offense running-wise that we do, uh, a lot of zone fills, a lot of uh, uh, nakeds off of that, a lot of stretch plays, and they run gaps like we do. So very similar uh, running, running style of, of runs. You alluded to the, the transfers they brought on. You know, defense was kind of a Achilles heel for them. Yeah. And I know, you know, Alabama, they, they're going to score that many points on a lot of people. But what, what do you think about their defense and maybe how they've improved? I think they, if you go back and watch the Louisville game, you know, to start the season, they were they were much, much better than at any point than that they were last year. Now, I will say this. They improved each and every week last year on defense. They ended up having pretty good defensive ball club at, by the end of the year. But you can see their transfers. And sometimes new people coming into your program bring a different edge to the program as well. And I don't know if this was the case or not, but I, I know Campbell and Reese have really added. And, and of course, the Rush Edges guys that they've added to um, because uh, Sam Williams, Williams can really rush a passer along with, uh, uh, along with 96, Isaiah. Coach, you mentioned not being ready for the early start last week. You have to do that again. So what do you do differently in practice this week to overcome that? I didn't hear the first part of it. Not being ready for the early start last yeah. week. Well, I mean, I think that's 100% correct. Uh, I think Georgia had a lot to do with that. You know, um, I don't know exactly um, except learn from, from last week. You know, I, I don't know that we can do a whole lot about when we have pregame, uh, I don't know that we can practice at 11. You know, we, we, we did in the fall. Um, I think it'll just be a different – try to get a different mindset going in there. Um, you know, in all honesty, I think everybody saw we just weren't ready for the grand stage yet, and that's all of us. And um, this is going to be a big stage because it's ESPN and all those things. But, you know, the college game day atmosphere, the 93,000, you know, there was a lot of kids after the game, after I spoke with them, said it's the loudest crowd. They haven't ever been in anything like that before. And we tried to simulate it in practice and obviously didn't have it turned up loud enough. Um, but I think just try to learn from this experience that we just went through and try to learn from that. And, and, uh, and uh, I don't know that we'll have any different wake up or anything like that. I know I heard that Kirby played in, I don't know if it's true, but I heard he played music in the in the locker room and things of that nature. And we were trying to just go a status quo because we had practiced it for a week in fall camp, and and obviously we we all saw that uh, you know we weren't we didn't do it the right way. So we're we're still thinking about what we might do on Saturday to change that up. You touched on it a little bit with transfer portal, but where's their strengths? Um, maybe um, some areas that really stand out to you. Well, who, who are you talking about? Miss. Oh, Miss, you're talking about offense, defense. Their defense. They're running the ball. I mean, they're they're playing. To me, they're playing really, really hard. I think they're playing better than they 
were last year and their safeties will smack you. I mean, they, they're, if you look at them, they play a very similar defense that we do. And, uh, whereas if you look at our strength, you know, um, and first thing you say, well, where's your strength? Well, probably in that safety area, guys that can go, go run a ball, but you know, then you go, well, maybe linebackers, you know, for them, it's their safeties and they're doing a really good job. Now, I like their nose 55, uh, KD Hill. He was good against us last year. Uh, a guy that, that is playing faster. He's stronger. It looks like, you know, he's, 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 he's locking up centers that he's playing against. I think Campbell at linebacker makes him better. I mean, he's making a lot of early leading the team, but if you look at, if you look through that, if you look through that V, you know, you got 55, then you got Campbell, then you got Reese. Those are the three, in my opinion, three better players, three better leaders on their team right now. And it's right down the middle where they can go either direction. And I think that's what made them a little bit better at that. And, and, uh, they're playing extremely hard. They're confident. I think this series is maybe one of the underrated series for Arkansas fans because it, it dates back, played a lot when Arkansas was in the Southwest and Ole Miss yeah. was in it. And uh, you've been involved in some of the most classic games yeah. that's ever been played. So I just wonder what you think about the rivalry maybe with, with these guys. Yeah, I mean, I remember when I was here in 14, and uh, I don't know what – I don't know if that was 17. I think LSU was 17, nothing, but I don't know what this one was 30, 30, nothing. And they had some premier D linemen and all that. And, uh, you know, we were on a roll at that point. And I can remember that and how physical the game was. And then I guess the next year in 15, you know, was a Hunter heave and man, what a game that was go down in the history of Arkansas. I mean, uh, what a wonderful game and went for two and, and, uh, and uh quarterback ran in there and uh, uh Allen went in there on the, on that. And then last year, you know, getting our first home win in the SEC and in, in however long it was, uh, that was a big deal. Uh so, you know, to be honest with you, Ole Miss and in Arkansas ought to me ought to be uh, a rival game, sort of like us in Missouri, you know. Um um and I think it's working its way into that uh, more and more because, again, you see probably two very similar as far as talent, you know, teams and things of that nature. And I'm not discarding Corral because he's he's exceptional. Uh, but probably uh, two teams very similar uh, talent-wise. That was Sam Pittman, Ole Miss, Arkansas head coach. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett. He's David Johnson at Rebels 247. Is there anything better than sweating out a win in the fourth quarter and coming away with cash in your pocket? At my bookie, there is. Make your first deposit and receive double your money before ever placing a bet with my bookie. That's a dollar for dollar match on whatever you throw down up to a thousand bucks. Use that extra scratch to get in on all the biggest games of the week, including the Sunday night matchup between the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. With two of the most explosive offenses in the NFL going toe-to-toe, you know the over is going to be a great bet. And, as if you needed another reason to head to mybookie.ag, to celebrate the start of the MLB playoffs, mybookie is hosting a $20,000 blackjack tournament that is absolutely free to enter. 
Winning season is here, so get in the game and get to mybookie.ag now. Use our promo code TOC, Talk of Champions TOC, to get your double deposit bonus. That's promo code TOC for Talk of Champions TOC, so you can double your funds to double your winnings. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with mybookie. You just heard from Sam Pittman, David. Thoughts? Yeah, you know, Sam is a guy who is, uh, you know, number one, I, I know Sam. Uh, I, I spent two weekends with Sam. Really? Uh, when he was, o, yeah, when he was O-line coach at Arkansas. Uh, we uh, we went to Fayetteville two weekends in a row and and, and, and hung out with, with Coach Pittman. And, uh, man, super guy. Super duper guy. Um, you know, just like he comes across in the press conferences, very much a salt of the earth dude. He he showed nothing but respect uh, for um, for the Ole Miss football program. You would have thought he was in charge of Matt Corral's Heisman campaign, um, as well as he talked about him. Um, but you know, behind closed doors, Sam wants to put a butt whooping on Ole Miss on Saturday. But um, you know, he said all the right things, all the right things, and yeah, of um, course he did. So we didn't really learn anything yeah. on Mondays, what you're saying here, from either side about well, this game. No, not really. I mean, you know, um, you know, we asked Lane about uh, Jake Springer. We asked him about uh, Jonathan Mingo. We got nothing. Hope they play, which is all you're going to get. He didn't talk about injuries. Uh, he's not, he's not going to talk about injuries. That has to be in the book as well. Um, but uh, – you know, what we do know, not that we necessarily learned, is this is a pivotal game as far as the SEC West goes. Um, you know, I saw some bowl projections earlier this week that had Ole Miss going to the Sugar Bowl. Well, they better win Saturday. They better win Saturday because I think whichever one of these teams wins this game Saturday in Oxford is probably going to be uh, the, the, you know, have the inside track to go into the Sugar Bowl, and that seems to mean an awful lot to both programs. So, you know, a lot on the line. Uh, You know, they're both chasing Alabama. They both realize that whoever loses this game Saturday is effectively out of the race in the SEC West. Oh, yeah, you're done. Well, the winner still has some hope, you know. Hoping that Alabama loses two games. Yeah, that'd be about it, you know. And they don't play Georgia during the regular season, so – you know, yeah, you know, maybe maybe Auburn pulls off a miracle, but then you you get to looking for who that second loss might be, and I just don't think it's there. I yeah, watching games there, this weekend so. or just watching games for the last month and month plus, whatever it's been. Any other teams in the SEC West that you look at and say, okay, maybe they can give Alabama a run? I don't no, see it. Not a one. Yeah, there's one team in the SEC, and that's Georgia that could likely give Alabama a good run for its money. Other than that, I mean, if you know, if we just want to be real here, you know, it's going to be Alabama and Georgia playing in the SEC title game. And uh, it's probably going to be Alabama and Georgia playing in the national championship game. It'd be fun if the playoff was expanded this year because this Ole Miss team in a playoff, I don't know. Be fun to watch. Well, you'd eventually run into Alabama or Georgia. Yeah, but I would like to see Ole Miss get a rematch with Alabama and all of the. Why, Ben? Why? I Why? I don't know. I just don't think they put their best foot forward. The game got away from them so early. 
that I mean, once he got to twenty-one nothing and the game script went wrong, it was just it was over. It was done. I would like to well, see, for example, were... if they punched that touchdown in on that first drive, how the game plays out. Is it different? How much different? I don't know. There were two critical moments in that game, one being the opening drive where Bama stopped Ole Miss on, on fourth down, down around the goal line. Yeah. Because I think had Ole Miss been able to put seven up right there, psychologically the game would have would have been a little bit different, would have taken a different turn. And then obviously the other was when you're down 14 nothing, you went for it inside your own 30, they stopped you. And then, um, you know, just a few plays later, the game was 21 nothing. And, you know, the brakes had come off the truck going downhill at that point. And, um, you know, and then, you know, finally, if you, if you want, want three critical happenings, Bama takes opening possession of the third quarter, drives the length of the field, goes up 35 nothing. Yeah, it's just – You know, that's, that's kind of what happened. Now, if you're looking for a silver lining, okay, Ole Miss scored – outscored Alabama 21-7 to from that point. Woo! But um, – yeah, it was all done and over. And, and you saw a shift in the Alabama offense. We talked about this on Monday morning where, uh, you know, maybe the end zone wasn't as big of a goal as just, just eating clock and keeping the ball away from the Ole Miss offense from that point forward. And they were successful in doing that. Yeah. Uh, I, for me, I, I, I wouldn't care to see a rematch with Alabama. I'm more concerned now, not only with the Arkansas game, but this is a tough October for Ole Miss. We haven't talked enough about that. I mean, you get through with Arkansas, and then you're on the road at Tennessee, and then you're you're on the road at Auburn, then you're home against LSU. Look, those are four tough opponents. And I wouldn't have said that about Tennessee at the beginning of the season, but after watching them just, just maul and loot Missouri on Saturday – uh, you know, there's something to their offense. I don't know that their defense is 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 that great, but Tennessee can score points. And, um, you know, so that's going to make that interesting. Auburn's not a bad football team. Their only loss this year is a two-point drop at, at Penn State. You know, in LSU, you just don't know what to expect. You know the talent is there. You don't know what all is going on behind the scenes there. I mean, I think Ed Ogeron is, is fired. Um, he's you know, so when done. That he's so done. Coaching staff. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you figure the best they're probably going to finish is eight and four. The worst they could probably pull in at six and six. Uh, that's going to get him going down there. Considering everything else, they're going to make a change. That's all there is to it. The patience is not there. So uh, yeah, I think he's he's done as well. I think. Uh, that's likely to be the only uh, job to open up in the SEC this year, wouldn't you think? Everybody else is kind of, kind of fresh, unless somebody leaves on their own accord for somewhere else. Are you on the back porch again? Are those the birds chirping? I am on the front porch. Oh, okay, right. I have birds all around my house, man. All kind of birds. All right. Yeah. All right. I love that we get serenaded every morning now. Whenever I talk to you for this podcast, you've made this podcast daily, and I'm serenaded by birds. It's a nice way to wake up, I guess. Yeah, man, I, I get a couple of wild turkeys that uh, wait really get out in the yard every now and then. Yeah, yeah, sure do. Oh my god! Okay, well, wild anyway. turkey, deer, raccoon, no kin to many, and um, <laughs> just just a whole collection of wildlife out here in rolling woods. Six thirty p.m. Central Time kickoff between Ole Miss and Tennessee. 
on October 16th. <sighs> Tennessee, 44-19-1, lead the all-time series, including 25-5 and in games played in Neyland Stadium. Last time I remember going to Neyland Stadium was when Ole Miss got blitzed, what was it, 59-14 to 14 or something under Derek Dooley? It's been a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. That was the one time me and Chuck you know, really fought. Have I ever told you that story? I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. I was just yeah. There's, there's, a, there's another story with uh, no ending to it, right? No, no. I was just absolutely fed up with Houston Nut, and I wrote this scathing column, and Chuck read it before it was supposed to publish, and he was just not having it. And he's like, I'm not publishing that, da-da-da-da-da. The only time we ever fought. We laugh about it now, but yeah, he was pissed. He was pissed off. And I just could not believe that he was so incredulous after a loss to Tennessee that was so bad to a crappy head coach, 59 to whatever it was. Yeah. Fighting in the bowels of Neyland Stadium. Everybody's, everybody's looking around. Uh, at the end of it, I published it. I softened it a little bit. But then Chuck comes back a couple hours later and like, uh, you know what? You, I, I'm sorry about that. I was just I was frustrated. He's like, yeah, no shit. Really? You're frustrated? No kidding. That's the only time we've ever really fought. He's the best boss I've ever worked for, and it's like a second dad to him. He's the best ever, but still. Yeah, that was hilarious. Well, Houston had, uh, Houston had, you know, two really good years right at the front end, and they should have been so much better. You know, when you look at that 2000, what was it, 2019? Yes. Oh, my God. It it should have been so much better than 94. When that's a disappointment, that's bad. That's yeah. really bad. Yeah. That was a uh, hindsight's crystal clear, but you know, I, I don't necessarily think that staff recruited as hard as they should have. And, you know, we were talking about Ed Orgeron. Those were Ed's players that, that 2008-2009 season mm-hmm. uh, can be attributed to. And, um, you know, that's um, when, when they lost to Jacksonville State in 2010. Ugh. That was a, a sign that you had heart problems. You had you had major health concerns with the Ole Miss football program. And then that 2011 to intense season, oh my goodness, what a how far we've come. Uh, let's leave it at that. Let's quit talking about that. Yeah. I will say this. Jeremiah Masoli bought Houston Nut another year because yeah. that was already a one loss or a one win, you know, ten loss team. And he won them through more games. Jeremiah Masoli does not get enough credit for how good he was because he delayed the inevitable, which was a disastrous one-two win season that happened the next year once he left. Jeremiah Masoli was the band-aid that Houston Nut got for that one season, saved him for another year. Yeah, they they had some quarterbacks back then. Zach Stout. Um, I remember uh, Zach started the BYU game, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. And nothing against Zach Stout cool guy um but um again goes back to recruiting those last two seasons he was here uh you better recruit but the numbers weren't bad uh, the numbers weren't bad recruiting wise the numbers weren't bad recruiting wise they got four stars like tobias singleton and nick brazel and dante and raymond cotton was a four star he's won this the message boards love to mess around and talk about stuff this day it just shows you that it's not about the star rankings and that that whole staff really focused on the star ranking stuff and they chased the obvious players. There weren't any players that really popped up that surprised you. Meanwhile, Freeze's staff and then Luke's staff to an extent and certainly Lane Kiffin's staff 
they don't go by the star rankings. They go by their own evaluations. I think Houston and them kind of rely too much on who are the obvious guys oh, as far as like you, recruiting you, rankings. The star rankings mattered to Hugh Freeze. They did. That's true because the he chased. The star rankings very much mattered to Hugh. Yeah, he did chase the linebacker in California and then had to settle for Sean Curtis, I think it was, because he had no plan B. He was bad about not yeah, doing plan Bs. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, with Freeze, they, they went all in for, for the plan A guys, if you will. And then by the time it got to, oh, my goodness, we're not getting this guy. we got to shift to plan Bs. They ended up with plan Cs mm-hmm. because they put all the energy into plan As. Yeah. You know, so. What's the biggest was, uh, difference you've seen with this, cl- with this uh, staff as far as recruiting and their approach to other staffs and why it's been so successful? Because if Devin Brown, the quarterback, out of California flips or – Anyway, the point being is that they've been really successful so far in their own evaluations, and even when they started slow because of the COVID pandemic year, they turned around and just finished with a flurry and committed a tremendous class last year. They're doing good again this year, and they're going to do the same kind of flurry probably towards the end and have another great class. So what's the difference, do you think? What's been the biggest standout differences? Well, I I think just – and we've really got just one real year, so to speak, to judge them off of. I think they're good closers. Um, I think they, they swoop in at the end and, and do very well where some staff struggle with that. Um, you know, they're, I think they're deliberate in terms of their, their offers and the guys that they really want. They're willing to be patient, wait on those guys and not just fill a class up early. Um, so, you know, as far as this class goes this year, you know, and I was asked this on the board, you know, does it have the potential to be a top 10 class? Yeah. Yeah, it does, depending on how many games they win, how much excitement they create, and how strong they're able to close at the end. But closing at the end, that's 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 what they're going to have to do again. They were good at it last year. They're going to need to be good at it again this year. But I think that's the thing. This staff closes well. You know, I can't tell you how many uh, – the Kobe Dean situations, Cam Maker situations that we had, not only with the Luke staff, but with the free staff where, uh, you know, they're still trying to close a kid down on the day of, and uh, it didn't break our way. And you've all followed that. So you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, this staff, I think is good at sealing the deal, so to speak. Um, and I think that's going to be the, 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 the critical thing with how this current class that they're building finishes uh, is going to be how they close. Uh, you know, December is going to be a hell of a month. Um, you know, it's going to be every day waking up and uh, following this stuff and charting this stuff until midnight every night and then getting up and doing it all over again, all the way up until early signing day, which is, really the signing day now um, in December. But closers, I, I think they're good closers. Uh, we'll get more evidence of that, you know, here in a few months. From watching the games and watching what Ole Miss needs, seeing what Ole Miss needs, where do they have to land talent for certain positions? Is there any place in particular where you go, okay, maybe that wasn't what I thought was a need to begin the year, but now it's a need? Yeah, immediately, obviously, a quarterback, okay? And not an indictment on anybody currently on the roster, but you, you've got another. You've got to add another arm 
to the battle on who's going to replace Matt Corral. Um, I, I mean, you know, Luke Altmaier, I think, has a bright future. You know, Kincaid Dent, by now we can probably say Kincaid is, is kind of what he is. Um, you know, they're, they're going to be battling it out. Pegram's gone, just like Corral's going to be gone. He's a one-year guy, so he really doesn't fa- – he's not going to factor. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, I would start right there, whether it's – and it needs to be a portal guy to be quite honest with you. Mm. Uh, they need a veteran. They need somebody with some experience that's going to come in here and, and push Luke Altmaier uh, as to who's going to be the quarterback next year. So I'd start with that, and then I'd go to the two old tried positions of defensive line and offensive line. Yeah, You know, you've always got to be recruiting there. You know, particularly on the O-line, you know, I fully think Ben Brown will, will probably um, – declare i think he does have an extra COVID year he could stay i'd be surprised if he did uh, <clears throat> ben's getting married next summer and uh you know um obviously if he can make money playing football that's probably his best decision he's already got his degree um you know and then you know nick broker ought to be back caleb warren will be back jeremy james will be back um you know and from that standpoint You've got a nucleus to build on, but, you know, right now, as far as we know, the depth is razor thin at the tackle spots. Wouldn't surprise me, um, you know, uh, even though Jaden Dix could possibly uh, emerge as, as that solid third tackle option. But you, you've always got to recruit offensive linemen. You've always got to recruit defensive linemen. Um, and, you know, in this offense, you've always got to recruit wide receivers, right? Um, they're going light on defensive backs in this class, primarily because there's 30 something on the roster right now and some really good ones and some really good young ones. So I don't expect them to be really heavy on DBs in, in, in this current class, but, uh, you know, that would be the spot. And then your linebackers are getting older, right? So, uh, you know, if you can add a linebacker or two, that'd be a good thing. Nick Broker coming back. Surprising to me. I, I don't think Nick, uh, I, I, I think it would be advantageous for Nick to, to play one more year of college football. I think he'd go higher in the 23 draft than he'd go in the 22 draft, but there's risk versus reward, right? Um, you know, do you want to risk coming back and playing another year of college ball? It, it, you know, could you get injured? Of course you could. Would that, would that affect your draft stock? Yes, it would. Um, you know, all kind of things. And, that, you know, that'll be a personal decision he and his family make. But I, right now, I would, I would think he's going to come back. I would expect him back. That voice you hear is David Johnson. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's at Rebels247. Brandon Marcello at B Marcello on Twitter. College football reporter, national college football reporter for 247 Sports. He's coming up on the Modern Women phone line. Before we jump to him, let me tell you about Alan Samuel Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford and Cheney's Pharmacy, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. What's your schedule looking like this fall? Don't answer that. I already know. Ole Miss football Saturdays, right? It's all back, and you're going to be there. Well, when you're making those trips, why not go in style? In the dream car, truck, or Jeep you've always wanted. Well, the only place to go for your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep is Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. 
from new and used sales to parts and service. Allen Samuels of Oxford aims to provide a truly stellar automotive experience. And what separates Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from every other dealership is Allen Samuels aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. They're going to get you into your dream car at a price point you can afford, and the process is going to be as seamless as possible. Most everyone who's listened to this podcast should know by now. I only vouch for sponsors I truly believe in. Well, Alan Samuels has been with me the longest. I myself have bought a car from Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, and there's no better car buying experience. Make sure to ask for Byron or Mason and tell them that Talk of Champions sent you so that you can take advantage of any one or more of the services Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford provides. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. That's 662-234-8000. It's Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. It's the most wonderful time of the year. No, it's not Christmas time. It's football season, specifically Ole Miss football season. You want to be there, right? In the Grove, in Vaught-Hemingway Stadium, cheering on the Rebels every single Saturday. The only way to do that is to make sure you're healthy, to take care of yourself, to have a pharmacy that you can trust. Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi that can do just that. Cheney's Pharmacy a locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years, as red and blue as the Rebels themselves. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there, hands down, it's not close. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221 or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can visit them online at chaneyspharmacy.com. Make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. It just depends on whether or not he feels like he is who he is at this point. If he's hit a ceiling, he can't really maximize his draft potential any more than it already has been maximized. If he feels that way, then he leaves. Because I've seen it too many times. And Kentrell Lockett, who used to co-host his podcast, is a good example of this. Kentrell was talked back into coming back by Houston Nutt, even though he had a draft round projection of like the third round. Yeah. And it derailed his entire football career. So... You're talking about the risk reward. That's you know, the risk reward we're talking about here. And and when that happens, you know it. You know it. Uh, I remember you bringing up Kentrell's injury. I think it was against LSU, if I'm not mistaken. I remember his mom sitting up in the stands, just bawling, crying. Yeah. And that was just so heartbreaking, because you know, you know, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and um, it, it's just so sad. Um, but um, I, I'm glad you brought that up. That that's really I'll never forget that 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 play that moment just uh, because of the reaction of the people they loved and you know they knew and uh, you know that's always a always a danger that much is for sure and uh, and his mom you know, is one uh, of the most wonderful people I've ever known. I went to his um, son's baptism. He was getting dedicated. And afterwards, we went and ate at their house, and his mom's the best cook ever. But when I walked in, she didn't know me at all outside of the stories Contrello told, apparently. But the biggest hug in the world. So now that you tell me that she was bawling her eyes out, oh, man. Yeah. That's tough, dude. She was. I mean, and that oh. just always you know, just registered on me. 
Yeah, and that's I mean, why well, you can never get mad yeah. at a kid for leaving, man. You just can't do it. Oh, if, no. And I know no, fans' it, first reaction different. is to do that sometimes because selfishly, of course, you want good players to stay. I get that. But at the end of the day, they've got to do what's best for them. So whatever they've done for your university, when they decide to leave, just thank them, support them, and send them on their way. Because you just don't know what any one particular player is dealing with, first of all. And second of all, coming back in a situation like that happening, that's the concern. So for Nick Broker, if he feels like he cannot in any way raise his draft stock, if he is who he is and he needs to go now, you might go, wow, he could benefit from coming back. Well, maybe not. Maybe this is just what he is. So go now, get your money, get your contract, because in the NFL it's about one thing, being good enough to get to your second contract. So if he is what he is, go. Go. Of course, he'd be huge to have back next year, considering what Ole Miss is going to be dealing with, specifically replacing Matt Crow, who is the entire Ole Miss offensive program. But if he leaves, don't just shit all over the guy because he certainly has earned the opportunity through his play, regardless of whether or not you think he can be better, to leave and go to the pros. That's all I'm saying. Well, very well put. And, um, you know, it, it's a little different. I have found, you know, you know, yeah, yeah there's a lot of uh, a lot of abrasion, if you will, from fans uh, on message boards about players and everything. Mm-hmm. And it's different when you know these kids, you talk to these kids, even the same with the coaches, um, you know, that because you look at them as real people. And a lot of people just look at them as little plastic figures on one of those electronic football games you plug in. They're just no one plays, people. though, any those anymore, and, David. No one plays those anymore. Are, you, are, are really? No. Do they even manufacture those anymore? Sure? That's like a vintage toy. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You can get them, man. You can get them online. Yeah, my dad got you one. We gave him can. one for Christmas, and he thought it was the coolest thing because he played it when he was a kid. But no one plays them anymore. I got them. You got, got one? one. I got one. Oh okay. Yeah. Well, David still yeah. plays it. Okay. I do have one. I got one when I was like seven years old. And, man, I got the Atlanta Falcons. I I got the whole NFC West. And I want to say Pittsburgh and Dallas had played in the Super Bowl the year before. So they gave me the two Super Bowl teams. And my mom extra ordered me the old NFC West. So I had the Falcons, the Rams, the Saints, and uh, who else was in there? Buccaneers? No. Who else was on the West back then? But what's the anyway, appeal? Because there's nothing that really – it's a buzzing board, and the pieces go all over the place. There's no real way to play it. It wonders for your imagination. Man, I would line guys up okay. and, and, and just slowly execute plays. I would never hardly plug the thing in, okay? I okay. mean, it was just a board where I could line football players up. So it was like having and, army and, men and, except they're football players. players. Exactly. Just okay. like it. Just like it. All right. That makes sense. Yeah. I yeah. never understood the appeal until right I now. Our, yeah, and I've still got one around here. I think it's in the garage, but uh, but I do you. have it Good complete with uh, complete with like the little cardboard sides you put up for the fans, the stadium, all that good stuff. Yeah, I need to pull that thing. I need to sell that on eBay, man. Probably make some money, real money. I bet I could. I'm I saying. bet I could. I'm saying. Too too much sentimental value. I can't do it. I got some stuff can't like that. Can't do it, man. I got some stuff like that. I've looked it up to see what the value is, and I go, oh, that might be nice to sell, and I just can't do it. All right, I want to touch on a couple things before we jump to Brandon Marcello on the Modern Woodman phone line. First of all, you're talking about recruiting and recruiting misses 
that Kobe Dean is just bawling out for Georgia right now. What happened there? I'm trying yeah. to remember. Yeah. Somebody asked me about this the other day. <laughs> well, you know. I know what Brennan Shackman told me on this podcast time. before. I'll just say that. I know what Brennan told me on the podcast, but I'll let you tell me what you think. Yeah, uh, you're, 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 you're setting our listener, Jenny Moyer, up to uh, get another partial story here at the end um, that I can't finish. But, um, you know, yeah, the night before signing day, you know, it looked good. Actually, the morning of signing day, it looked good. And um, so Georgia secured things. My question is, was it ever really Ole Miss is the leader in the catbird seat? Or was it always Georgia and Nicobe and his family or his peoples were kind of playing it up a little bit in order to get the security that they were looking for and good for them. I'm not knocking well, that at all. Yeah. I think Ole Miss had a real chance there. I, I think maybe Ole Miss, you would might categorize as being in the driver's seat at one point through all of this. Uh, I think what you said is exactly right. Uh, they kept their ears open to what Georgia had to say, but you know, in hindsight, I really don't think, and there were some pro Ole Miss coaches around the Kobe uh, at his high school uh, that I think was given Ole Miss an honest picture of, you know, everything that was going on there. Um, I'm not going to say they were pushing him to go any place, but, but I think Ole Miss had good intel. And, um, you know, one of the things you find out afterwards is that really and truly maybe the Kobe Dean never wanted to go to Ole Miss. That's what I wanted to do. It was really not where he wanted to be. And, uh, you know, the same thing, there was a quarterback up there. uh, Well, I mean, a cornerback that went to LSU, Ray, Ray. uh, Oh, man, his name escapes me. Everybody called him Ray Gunn. But anyway, uh, he went to LSU. Same team as Nakobe and um, at Horn League. Um, And and I think this, it was kind of the same. Maybe he and his family really didn't want to be at Ole Miss. So uh You're talking about Radar you know, Jones. That Radar Jones. Yeah, Radar Jones. That's yeah. right. And I called him Ray Gun. <laughs> I remember that. Though. But anyway. Yeah. Just didn't want to be at yeah, Ole Miss more I mean, than anything so else. So if you really wanted to be there, you don't continue listening to overtures, even though you're looking to secure what you need to secure in recruiting if you're a top ranked guy. Good for them. I am yeah, not yeah. knocking yeah. it. Every school does it for good players. That's what you do. Maybe. Well, now it's NIL deals. Now. Yes, now yeah, it's NIL so, deals. That's the crazy thing. And you know, because I was talking to uh, Nick Weaver, the, the co-founder of Blue Delta Jeans, to talk about the NIL deals with uh, Ole Miss and the Ole Miss football team, and how he said no one wants to be a bag man or anything like that. But still, these things are big deals now. If you don't get these these NIL deals, I mean, that's part of recruiting. That's basically replaced all the. You know, uncle needs to get this, get that. Mom needs this. Dad needs that. Family needs to be taken care of. It's the NIL deal. If you can't meet another program for a player as far as NIL money, you're at a distinct disadvantage. The signs of summer are here. Freshly mowed grass, days in the water at the ballpark, and all the rest on the golf course. Well, that's how we do it over here at Oxford and Ole Miss anyway. And PXG Golf Apparel is here to make sure you're locked and loaded for round after round at University Course or Oxford Country Club. PXG has taken its mission to create the most high-quality, high-performance golf clubs in the game to their new line of apparel as well. 
With PXG Apparel, there's something for everyone. From pants, polos, and sweaters to hats, joggers, and skirts. You'll usually find me with a hat on my head, and PXG has nailed the fitted breathable. And my navy goes with pretty much anything. So don't wait another second. Elevate your style game on and off the course with the PXG Spring Summer 2024 Collection. Head over to pxg.com TOC and use promo code TOC for Talk of Champions at checkout to save 10% on all apparel. That's pxg.com TOC, code TOC for Talk of Champions to save 10% on apparel. PXG, a proud sponsor of the Talk of Champions podcast network. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. No, you better believe it. I mean, and listen, that ought to be a major concern for Ole Miss right now. Look, I was talking to somebody last last week that would know, somebody who formerly worked in this profession. He tells me in the SEC, for you to be able to recruit and, and, and stay in the game, so to speak, now with the NIL out, is you've got to be prepared to invest $8.1 million per class. Ooh. Per class class in terms of nil deals that is annually and if you do not do that you will no longer be able to recruit with the alabamas and the georgias and the lsus can't do or even the arkansas for that matter i mean you know you may go arkansas but let me tell you something there's one sec school in that state and there are a lot of major corporations in that state and they are going to marshal their resources over there that's They're the doing. Walmart state, man. It's Tyson Chicken. It's J.B. Hunt. I mean, I mean, like at Arkansas, I remember on a recruiting visit, one of their pitches was that J.B. Hunt buys every one of their football players at the end of their tenure there a $1,000 suit to get them ready for the you know job world. Even yeah. if you're the backup so long snapper, doesn't matter. Anybody, anybody, didn't matter, didn't matter. So, you know, I mean, that, those are the kind of resources you're dealing with there. I mean, imagine what Tennessee can put together. We've already said, I mean, uh, Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Auburn, uh, good God, Texas A&M. Now you got to think about Texas and Oklahoma. Um, Hey, you're either going to open those checkbooks up or you're not going to be able to recruit with those guys anymore. And some of them you already can't recruit with. That's daunting. Alabama and Georgia. It is unbelievable. And we don't know. This is the thing, Dan. We don't know what this is going to look like in five years. You know, we don't have any idea. Everybody's still kind of feeling and fiddling around in the dark. But let me tell you something. If you're piddling around with this stuff in this league, it's going to kill you. It's going to crush you. And you're going, well, you know, we've got a lot to offer. Better off of that cash because it matters. It's the concerning matter to those thing, recruits and their families. The concerning thing 
is we don't know what we don't know about NIL deals. Correct. What it evolves yeah. into. Yeah. I haven't really thought no about idea. that. No idea. And you don't, you know, and, and, and look, you've already seen it. I mean, before Bryce Young ever started a game in Alabama, he had a million bucks racked up. He is now the odds-on favorite I mean, to win the Heisman after uh, beating Ole Miss. It's flipped with him and Matt yeah. Corral. Matt Corral was plus 150 after week four. He's currently plus 250. Bryce Young was plus 300 after week four. He's now plus 125. So last week when I asked you in buy or sell, buy or sell, Matt Corral's the odds-on favorite, you said, ask me after the Ole Miss-Alabama game. Well, you were right. Yeah, I mean, that, that game was going to always have uh, an impact. Um you know, everybody loves a winner, including the Heisman Trophy voters. So, uh, you know, that's that was that was inevitable. That was going to happen. But I am fascinated to just see how all of this plays out. I mean, you know, can you even recruit, put together resources from your fan base to have the money to do so? I mean, that's the question. And then what does this whole game look like? Is it now – Minor league football, is that what, yes. what it is? Yes. I mean, yeah, I, I can answer that one for you. Professional football. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 pro ball at this point, and you know what is what kind of effect is that going to have? You know, just on people, just on humanity. A seventeen-year-old who's had nothing his entire life, probably a pair of jeans, a couple pair of t-shirts and some sneakers from Walmart. And at 17, he becomes an overnight millionaire. Good for them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But you know, how does that affect our kids? Well, God this is the time to maximize kid, for most of them. If my kid had been a millionaire at 17, Jesus <laughs> Christ, the trouble he would have gotten into. But I am saying though, this is the time for them to maximize for most of them their earning power because most of them aren't going to the NFL. So to secure their money, to secure the bag is now. Yeah, but let me let me I'm here. I can tell a story that I can tell it all real quick. So Eli Johnson gets to Ole Miss as a true freshman in January of 2016. And he is 17 years old. Went through his first spring practice at Ole Miss at 17 years old. So he gets that first scholarship stipend check in at the end of January. He's living at home, <laughs> so he doesn't have any bills. Well, eventually his mom and I asked him, hey, how are you on money? You know, you got that first uh, big stipend check in. I've invested it. Oh, really? What'd you invest in? I met this guy over in the union who's got this sweet computer deal going on with China. So uh, I've invested that check uh, with him. Do you invest all of they're, it? They're import-exporting computers, all of it. Oh, and uh, God. I was like, Elon, who is this guy? His name's Ted. He's from California, man. See him in the union all the time. He's oh, really smart. Ted from California. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Spring break rolls around, and Ted goes home to Cali for a week. Never comes back, and uh, that was the end of that investment. So what I'm saying is, amplify a million dollars in the hands of a 17 year old. You know, pretty much any 17 year old, and they're you know they're going to own a share of uh, 
Billy Bob strip club down in Winona or something. And I mean, it's just trouble and it's going to be, you know, okay. To borrow a phrase here, grab your popcorn because this, this stuff is, is going to be entertaining to say the least moving ahead. A big part of recruiting will be the financial management aspect of it. How you set up infrastructure for the, for these players to manage their money. Yeah. That's going to be important. Yeah. They're going to have to grow yeah, up quicker I, than they used to. I, I, but you can't tell them. You can't make them. It's their money. And, um, you know, that's the thing. A lot of administrators are, are having to sit back and swallow right now. That's true. They don't have any control over this. No, that's true. When I got my first job out of college, it was 1200 bucks a month working for the Sunbelt Conference, and it didn't mean anything to me. I wasn't making any money. I was living in New Orleans. That was hard. But then I got hired at the Spirit. It was the same $1,200 a month, which I turned into this job now by working hard. And now Chuck is taking care of me. I make really good money. But back then, I was still a young buck and fresh out of college. I was living with my twin brother. 1200 bucks when you have very little expenses, which is what these college football players, they, they don't have many expenses. Twelve hundred bucks is a lot of money when you don't have a lot to spend ben, it on. Ben, I'll ben, just put it that way. So I, I act I like an idiot. I don't want to tell you that, but you're so wrong. I, I mean, you got to look, man. Twelve hundred dollars a month. I was saying I was an idiot. Yeah, I was saying twelve hundred bucks feels like a lot. I'm not saying it's actually a lot. It feels like a lot oh, yeah, when it, you're a it's kid. Not, it's not yeah. for these kids, man. These kids struggle. No, I agree. Uh, I the point is, is I'm agreeing with I'm agreeing with you that when you get that money, it seems like a lot of money, but it isn't, and you blow it so quickly. And I have personal experience with that. I blew it so quickly, just spending it on nonsense. Because yeah. I'm thinking, oh, I've got this money coming in, and it's not a lot of money, but you think it is because that's your perspective. You never had that kind of money, even though it's not much money at all. They deserve more. They should get more, but. That's just the mindset of a kid. You're still a kid. Yeah, you know, and that's that's one of my pet peeves, if you will. Um, you know, fans going, the kid's getting a free education. Nah. He needs to shut up and play ball, nah. and he doesn't need anything else. Man, let me tell you it's something. It's a job. That shows ignorance on so many levels. Yeah, it's a job. I mean, you know, the NCAA says you got to limit – football or any other sport activity is 20 hours per week. There's not a country, a school in the country that does that. Let me just tell you that it doesn't happen that way. Um, you know, you're, you're up at 6 a.m. You're finally leaving study hall, mandatory study hall by at 10 o'clock at night. You go home, go to bed, get up and do it all over again. You're, you're risking bodily injury every single day of your life that, um, as things stand right now, once you're done playing football at that school, those injuries go with you. They're yours to take care of the rest of your life, which I think is bogus considering the amount of money that is generated here. Um, and, 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 you know, I mean, the bills, you got to live off campus, so you're paying rent. Mm -hmm. You got to pay an electric bill, a water bill, a gas bill. You got to put fuel in your vehicle. You got to pay insurance on your car. You've got to eat the meals that you're not being provided by the football program. And, and you know what? You may have paid your own way through school like I did, like Ben did. But um, 
we didn't have to do all that stuff. No. You know, here's another thing we didn't too. Have to risk limb. I was making twelve hundred bucks a month, like I said, but I've got fifteen years of sweat equity in this job to get me to this point. Well, the sweat equity for these players is fifteen years of playing football to when they get to college. A lot of these, well, not fifteen years, but they've been playing for ten years at least. Maybe they started at five, six, seven years old playing pee wee football, yeah. and that's why you think about it that way. I put my work in once I was ready mentally. Even then, I wasn't because I was still spending the little bit of money I had on dumb stuff. These are kids that did all that work. That's what their sweat equity and job work is, is the football aspect of it, becoming the best football player ever. So now they're in a place at 17, 18, 19, 20 years old where they're going to make possibly the most money of their life, especially now. And yet they're not in a place mentally to be able to handle that or in a place maturely to handle that. So being able to in recruiting as a coach or just as an institution in general to lay out a plan to help take care of them, that's going to be important. And that's going to be a drawing thing for families to particular colleges and the ones that can get out in front of it, like a George, like an Alabama who's already done so. They're going to be the ones that continue to dominate in recruiting. So if you're Ole Miss, not only is it about securing the money for NIL deals, but also being able to help these kids manage their finances. Yeah, key word being help and not direct. Right. Because the kid nor his help. family is going to want some administrator in a suit uh, controlling how they spend their money. That's just human nature. That's, Correct. While it might be a wise thing, it's not a realistic. We all have financial advisors that say, hey, man, maybe you should put your money here or it would benefit you to put your money here. Do we take that advice all the time? No. But it's just being able to have somebody to help you along or to bounce something off of, okay, I want to invest my money here. It might not be such a good idea. Now, most of the time you're going to go, oh, I'm doing it anyway. And that's where you get the trial and error of it. But having somebody there to bounce it off of, having a financial advisor is going to matter. I don't know what we talked about in this edition of Talk of Champions, but as we get to Brandon Marcello. Yeah, now. this has been uh, very much a smorgasbord. But, uh, this is like a Seinfeld episode. You know, a, this is like a Seinfeld Almost, episode. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's about nothing. About yeah. nothing. About nothing. I want to talk about Snoop yeah. Connor's usage tomorrow because that's something that I've been looking up. Do you know that he has not get, yeah. gotten double-digit carries since last year? He got a career-high 21 against Alabama, then 15-13 against Auburn on October 24th, and ever since then he's been held under double-digit carries. So I wanted to talk about that tomorrow. I was going to talk about that today and uh, because that's a big topic of discussion on the Ole Miss Spirit message board and on Twitter. I've got a lot of questions about that, so that's something we'll touch on. We're going to touch on it today, but sometimes this is what me and David do. We sit down to talk, and we have something we're supposed to be talking about, and we end up going in various different directions just in a normal conversation. So basically, you just got a normal Ben and David conversation that happens pretty much every single day. Pretty much. It does. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Well, hey, it was fun. Thanks, buddy. Howdy, howdy, everybody. That was David Johnson. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's at Rebels247. We both write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. If you haven't already subscribed, rate, review Talk of Champions on iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. It doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's five stars. And Talk of Champions can be found wherever you get your podcasts. Just simply search Talk of Champions. Going now to the Modern Women phone line to speak to Brandon Marcello, National College Football Reporter for 247 Sports, at bmarcello on Twitter. Before we do, let's hear from b Bank and Modern Woodman, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. 
BNA Bank is celebrating 125 years of local banking. For generations, BNA Bank has been a stable fixture in Northeast Mississippi, supporting and investing in our local small businesses, local schools, local community events, local charities, and so much more. At BNA Bank, we believe in our local communities, businesses, and organizations because we are a local business, too. Thank you for choosing to bank local with BNA Bank. Are you looking for a career change? Maybe COVID threw you for a loop. Maybe it's time that you did something else. Maybe you're just tired of working nine to five for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else. Well, our phone line sponsor, Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, is looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary. You do have to be a resident of Mississippi, but what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. Don't wait around anymore. It's time to make a change. So for more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas Chandler today directly through Facebook or his number at 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. Make the change. Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, the title sponsor of Talk of Champions. The Modern Woodman Phone Line. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman. Let's make a difference together. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter. Going now to the Modern Woodman Phone Line to speak to Brandon Marcello. He covers college football nationally for 247 Sports. Hey, buddy. How are you? I'm good. I'm uh, it's football season. That's that's awesome. Where are you headed this weekend? Anywhere? Uh, the couch. I Ooh. was going to go to Iowa, uh, Penn State, but uh, Iowa decided to decline my credential request. So what? What can you do? Why? Yeah, yeah. Not. I don't know. I guess, well, they said space restrictions, but my guess is is uh, they saw my name and went, "Who is that?" <laughs> and uh national so college a, football reporter for 247 sports you dicks <laughs> well if maybe if my name was ben garrett or uh you know, you know chris hummer or someone else yeah know, i doubt ben garrett would be able to get into that press box ben i'm just you know not gonna happen not gonna happen anyway uh, yeah. What have we learned through the first five weeks? Is this five weeks of college football? What's your biggest takeaways? Yeah. Uh, my biggest takeaway is I don't want it to end, and uh, I want it to keep going. I want college football to be a year-round sport, which it is, but you know what I mean. Uh, yeah, it, it is. You know, listen, I think like every – yeah. I, mean, I think like everybody, it's – listen, it's uh, Georgia and Alabama – Mm-hmm. And then kind of everybody else. There's maybe a group of like three teams, four teams below them that you consider like second tier. And then everybody else is kind of like fighting to be in the top 15. Um, you know, and Ole Miss is kind of one of those those programs right now where they're probably a top 15 team. But I'm not sure if there's anywhere to really move up beyond that, considering just how much parity there is from from really 10 on down. And um, there's nothing wrong with that, obviously, because, you know, as Ole Miss saw this past weekend, 
um, man, Alabama and obviously Georgia, they're kind of just a step ahead of everybody else right now. And um, that's just the way it is. I know what Ole Miss fans are going to say, what state fans that listen to this inevitably are going to say, that I'm a homer in some way, which is not the case. But I just didn't come away from the game on Saturday, Ole Miss and Alabama, feeling much different about Ole Miss than I did going in because I saw it as a game script gone wrong. And I would have been intrigued to yeah. see if Ole Miss punches it in, if the game changes, if you don't go for, go for it on fourth down in your own territory and Alabama jumps ahead 14, 21, nothing, whatever it was. It got away from them so quickly. I just don't know if that was a good indicator, that game, of what Ole Miss is as far as comparison to Alabama and Georgia. Now, they're not as good as Alabama and Georgia. They're not. We knew that, though. But I don't think the disparity is 21 points. Am I wrong? Am I, am I being a little bit jaded by only covering one team? I don't know. I mean, I think that the – I think the spread between I hate saying spread, but you know what I mean? Like the, the, the disparity between a program like Ole Miss and Alabama right now is probably two to three touchdowns. Uh, I think kind of what you saw, you know, listen, I think the final score would have been around that anyway. You know, I think I predicted 38, 21. It's just that I think Ole Miss could have maybe scored three touchdowns in the first half, but old, but Ole Miss would have ended up making two or three more mistakes. And, Alabama would have pulled away in the fourth quarter and won by three touchdowns or two touchdowns like they end up doing. So, you know, I, I think Ole Miss, obviously, the issue still is the defense, but I also think that maybe Lane Kiffin got a little bit too deep in the weeds there with trying to use analytics or whatever he wants to say with the book about going forward on fourth down as much as he did. And, you know, I wrote a column on that about how, you know, listen, it, it might not happen and it probably won't happen, but you know, when you kind of throw, you, I don't know if he realizes it or not, but he kind of threw the defense under the bus publicly by doing that, but also saying, Hey, we just, uh, Alabama would have scored. They would have scored more quickly. So we, I just did what I did because they were going to score anyway against our defense. And it's like, yeah, man, but this isn't your defense from last season. This defense is better. I think everybody knows that and has seen that. And, the idea that, hey, they're just going to score a lot of points against us, so we need to go for it on fourth down just because we've done very well on fourth down earlier this season against the likes of Louisville. It's kind of like, okay, so you did very well going for it on fourth down against Louisville, so that's good enough for you to do it against Alabama. So why isn't that your defense stopped Louisville? Why isn't that good enough to go against Alabama and trust your defense as much as you trust your offense going for it on fourth down? He picked a side there, in my opinion, and he picked the offensive side, which is his offense. And I, I think he threw the defense under the bus a little bit publicly. And if I was a defensive player, I'm not sure I'd be very happy about that. But listen, I'm obviously not on the team, not in that locker room. And um, But that's a dangerous game to play. But hey, that's why he's a head coach. And I'm just sitting in a rocking chair right now at a regional airport. <laughs> <laughs> I do get it, though. When you lean into the math and the math tells you percentage-wise to go for it and you've trusted the math that's gotten you to this point that you go with the math and being somebody but that's – Has he gone with the math this entire – but has he gone with the math this entire uh, season though? Has he? Yes. Yes. Has he really though? Yes. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Having said that, I'm one of those people 
as far as Major League Baseball is concerned, that I'm all about the math. I hate when anybody says, oh, you got to have a feel yeah. for the game in baseball. Got to have a feel for it. It drives me crazy. <laughs> no. drives me absolutely insane. When you play that, when you play that many games yes. and there's so much that can go wrong, exactly. you have to go by the math. You're absolutely exactly. right. Exactly. Yeah. But in football, I do think there is more of a human element than in baseball. Like, for example, when you're playing at Alabama, knowing what the stakes are, knowing what the team you're going up against is to not go for it in your own territory. So do I agree with him going for it? Yes, because I lean, I lean, lean more towards the math. Having said that, if you do have an issue with it, I completely get it. And a lot of Ole Miss fans did have a problem with it going for it that deep in your own territory. But I had more of an issue with the play call itself, not necessarily deciding to go than trying to run laterally against Alabama defensively. That's certainly a choice. That's a choice. But it's never going to be successful. Yeah, but I will say this. Uh, you know, Florida had success doing that. So I, I can see why he would have called he would call stuff like that. Huh, but okay. Like right. I said, he, he's the head co- he's the head coach and he knows what he's doing. He's the one who's got Ole Miss, you know, back on the national map and scoring fifty plus points a game. So I mean I, there's only so much I can question. Here's the other thing, I, you know, doing this so long and you know this, and then I've had the opportunity to actually be able to like go behind the scenes with a couple of football teams and go to their meetings and stuff. And it's, it's, it's incredible just how detailed and uh, complex, obviously it is as a head coach to deal with an entire football program, not just an offensive defense. So I can't imagine trying to wrap my head around that every single day when I get up at, you know, four in the morning, like these coaches do. And you're off and running at 95 miles an hour. And you've, you've got people coming at you every which way, trying to figure out even the most mundane things when it comes to just being a head coach. Cause not to get too deep here, but like, you know, these coaches are dealing with like just mundane things, like a, a player's trying to get out of a class or, you know, if, you know, they got recruiting going on or, you know, um, I'm, I need coffee. Where can I get my coffee? Um, <laughs> Unless you're at Orgeron, and then you just every- dip the, cr- the coffee grounds. <laughs> That's right. But it's amazing, like, how much these coaches have to deal with, uh, you know, everyday routine things that us as people do. And we just kind of assume that, oh, they're a coach, so like the president, and people just hand them things. Yeah, some somewhat, but not everything. There's a lot of stuff these guys got to handle themselves. They're also millionaires, though, Brandon. Yeah, hey, listen, and that's the that's the, that's what comes with the gig. It's like I don't I'm feel saying. too bad for him. It's just I could see why it could be overwhelming. But you know what? Get me overwhelming for one year, and I'll retire. Exactly, exactly right. I will be happy <laughs> to go one and eleven or zero oh and twelve, and make one to three. Oh, you ain't winning the game. Dude. No, no, you no. You're not winning one game. No, no. Even if it was against the sisters of the poor, I'm screwed. 100% screwed. There's no chance. No, no you're, you're done. Yeah, yeah. So is Ole Miss still number three in the SEC as far as the pecking order behind Alabama and Georgia for you or somebody leapfrogged them? We, we thought it might be Florida, and then Florida loses to Kentucky. Kentucky is now undefeated. Kentucky has a case. Where are you as far as the pecking order right now? I think I think Ole Miss right now is three, but I think it's four teams battling out for that, really, for that, I guess, that distinction is Florida. Kentucky, Ole Miss, and, and Arkey. Um, I think. I think uh, in, in the end, Arkey will probably Arkansas will end up being the weakest out of those four. But 
there's not very much space uh, among all those teams because with Arkansas, their offense obviously isn't as explosive as Ole Miss, but their defense is better, and it's gotten better from what it was last season. Um, you know, with, with Florida, they've got a bunch of talent, but they've got a head coach in Dan Mullen who's incredibly inconsistent <laughs> week to week um, in the way he prepares his team. I was waiting to see when you would get your shot in on Dan Mullen. I was waiting. <laughs> I was waiting for it. <laughs> no, listen, I, I I like Dan Mullen as a head coach. I think he's a I think he's the best offensive the coach. Operative words, the operative words the operative words being as a head coach. As a person, no. No, you don't. <laughs> you know, listen, he's hot and cold with me, and he was hot with hot with me. He was good to me at SEC Media Days when I talked to him one on one. So I, I'm listen, okay. I, I go All by right. it by how you treated me last, so he did a he treated me very well. Short and, uh, memory for Brandon Marcello. Good for you, my friend. Good for you. I should well, take that from you. I'm trying me. to be I well listen, I'm trying to do that because you know me, I've got a hot head. Uh but um, That's why yeah, we get along, I mean, listen, my friend. And, That's why we've been friends for so long. I think so. Yeah. We're the same that, in that way. We're, we're gingers. You that know? too. Yes. So. But Kentucky Kentucky, I think they're doing the best coaching job out of anybody in the SEC. He's such a good head coach. Mark Stoops is so good. I'm surprised he's still at Kentucky. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, I think he just likes it there and doesn't want to leave really um, because he feels like he's doing something very well there and doesn't want to have to start over again at this point in his career. And I'd love to see him at Ohio State. I'd love to see him even at Nebraska, which would be a career suicide for him at this point. But can you imagine what he could do it at Nebraska with him recruiting Ohio in the Midwest so well? Florida he, State. That's, that's his. Uh, well, you know, I don't know. Maybe, but I think he would fit well, much better at a place like Nebraska or Ohio State or even a Michigan because, like I said, he's got the roots in Ohio in the Midwest, and he would do gangbusters in recruiting there. And as you said, he's obviously a great coach. He's he's better than what. Nebraska's got right now and Scott Frost is a head coach. But um you know, but Kentucky, I mean listen, they they should probably have two losses right now and uh yet they're undefeated and and, and a lot of that's coaching right now. He's just so good. He's just so good. But you're right, there is Alabama, Georgia, and then a large disparity and then you go three to six or seven and any of those teams could finish three to seven. But my question about Ole Miss and Arkansas, yeah. when you look at the matchup after what last weekend was, because we thought last weekend, okay, Arkansas can make a statement against Georgia. Ole Miss can make a statement against Alabama. Neither one of those statements were good. So now that you look at this matchup with, under, in that prism, under that prism, what has changed in your mind about this matchup in particular? How do you view it? Whew, that's a great question. Um, you know, Arkansas has got to figure out that, I mean, obviously their bread and butter is running the ball, but I think we get a little bit too caught up in what they've been able to do down the field with, with their receivers, but, you know, especially trailing. But I, I think that for Ole Miss, it's just trust your defense to play. And here's the other thing. This is a great matchup for both defenses. And, but having said that, there's the two factors for me. Ole Miss's offense is just simply better than Arkansas's. And it's it's at Ole Miss, so Ole Miss should win, and they should win by probably a touchdown or two. Um, it shouldn't really be that close late in the fourth quarter. So, um, you know, I 
I've gotten to the point in my life where I, I've, I'm tired of like trying to like dissect every <laughs> little matchup. Like people do that too much. Like what about the left tackle? It's like, dude, come on. Unless it's just some absolute elite guy. Yeah, guys. Be breaking it down. Yeah, guys, we're we're not that we're not that smart. We're not that smart. We're not. Well, that too. That's the other thing. You just waste your time because you're trying to be smart when you're not. And then, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, um, it's just as simple as that. That they're pretty similar teams with their defenses, and but Ole Miss has the better quarterback and the much better offense, or I should say, both much better. And uh, yeah, Ole Miss is going to win. They should win that. They have the they have the advantage. Are you buying Tennessee's improved and being a team that Ole Miss can lose to now? Where is that game? At Tennessee. Hmm. Not unless if Ole Miss turns it over two or more times, maybe. But I don't. Yeah. I don't think. Uh, no. Nope. Nope. Because Tennessee's defense is terrible. It's absolutely terrible. And you know we're all talking about Tennessee's offense right now because of the good against Mizzou, but. Mizzou sucks. Tennessee's defense is terrible. Yeah, Mizzou's terrible. And that's a listen, that's a huge surprise because I thought Mizzou, a lot like Ole Miss, their defense would improve a little bit. And if that happened, they'd have a chance to maybe challenge for eight wins there in the East because the East is what it is. But good God, that run defense, as we all know, I mean, it's dead last in the entire country, 130th. And, uh, you know, they've already made a coaching change with a defensive line coach who's only got to be on campus for like eight months. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty bad. And the other thing is, is their offense hasn't improved from last season, which I thought, hey, they'd be making incremental um, uh, improvements there, even though it was pretty good last year on offense, and that that hasn't happened. That's uh, that's probably so far in the SEC, other than Texas A&M. I should say that Texas A&M is the biggest disappointment, but that might be the second biggest when if you're actually on the ground level, following what's been going on because LSU. That thing was boomer bust all season, all preseason. Mm-hmm. That that was this isn't too surprising what's happening to them. But the problem is, is that you shouldn't you shouldn't be in a season where you're going as a head coach as Ed Orgeron that you're always thinking it's boomer bust, you know? Because that's not a that's not a good trait to have as a head coach. If you were buying stock in Lane Kiffin's Ole Miss or Sam Pittman's Arkansas for the future, which program would you buy <laughs> stock in? I'd say Arkansas because of this. Again, it's just like one advantage you're going to have. I think with Texas and OU joining the SEC, that's going to open up more roads for Arkansas to recruit Texas, which is where they make their money, really, in recruiting anyway, even when they joined the SEC back in 92. And that's kind of fallen off at times these last 10 years. And I think by them playing Texas and OU – and then getting in and getting like kind of the leftovers from Texas and OU, they're going to have a better chance to get those leftovers now than say they did these last five years when they're going up against Baylor, Texas Tech even, and obviously Texas A&M. And A&M's been able to get the, the top guys in that state right now. They're beating Texas off the top guys, as you know, and Texas has been kind of getting the leftovers. And so I think, I think Arkansas's got a chance here to start fighting a little bit more for those leftovers and be able to get like top 15, top 10 recruiting classes that, you know, they once were able to kind of challenge for every now and again, and um, it's been much more difficult. And you're already seeing those inroads being made with Sam Pittman and his, and his staff. This staff got some really great connections in that state, obviously with Kendall Bryles, 
um, helping out with that. Uh, Pittman's got connections down there, obviously. So just from a talent level, I think Arkansas might, they have a chance to, to be more talented depth wise than Ole Miss say like in three years or so. But uh, again, that's just me projecting here and thinking that they're going to do a better job recruiting because it's already there's it's already starting to show up and i think it's going to get a little bit better now that one they're winning finally and two you know with texas and ou joining it's going to open things up more last one how do we avoid getting alabama and georgia in the sec title game florida beats georgia and then um uh georgia um yeah Florida beats Georgia and, and Florida wins out. That's um, it. And uh, Kentucky, Kentucky somehow. Um, I, I don't see it happening. There's just no way. There's no I, way. Alabama's not losing. No. Georgia's the only weak one, I say. And I, their biggest threat right now, Florida, just because Mullen's going to have the team ready and they're going to listen. At the end of the year, we're going to go. Florida scored the most points against Georgia. That's just going to happen, but goodness gracious! I mean, has anybody has anybody been watching that Georgia defense? Holy crap! They're really uh, good. They're really good. I mean, everybody keeps saying like everybody keeps saying they haven't played anybody, but dude, I I know it was Clemson, but I watched them in person. Dude, the way Georgia hits, I haven't seen anything like that in person since Alabama in 2011. Yeah, but I mean, same as 24-0 against his assistants and Kirby, even with his best team and his best shot. I'll believe it when I see well, it. It's Alabama. Well, I, same here. But also, here's yeah. Here's the thing: they got the big, they got a big coaching advantage, and I, I don't trust Kirby with personnel um, when mm. it comes to game plan because he he moves guys around, and then some things just don't make sense. And here's the other thing: he just he, he, he one either it's bad luck or it's coaching and him getting into his brain too much, <laughs> but he never can really get on the same page with the quarterbacks. I mean, and, and now he's dealing with injuries again. He's, yeah, he dealt with the injuries last year at quarterback, and he's doing it again with J.C. Daniels being injured again with a lat uh, muscle issue. And that's the thing. Uh, I would have ranked Georgia number one in the country this week if J.T. Daniels was healthy and he put up like 35 points against Arkansas, which I'm pretty sure he would have because he's a better quarterback, obviously, than Stetson Bennett. And he has that elite type arm talent that you need to win championships nowadays. And but Alabama's got that right now, and Bryce Young. And with Bryce Young and those receivers, that trumps any elite defense nowadays. That's just how it's been these last five years. So Stetson Bennett you know, sounds a like matchup. a Je- like a Jeff Jarrett gimmick in WWE or something. <laughs> sounds like if he had a manager, that'd be his manager. Yeah, Stetson. Yeah. Got to call Stetson up and just see where things are at, you know. He's the chosen one. Mm. He's the chosen one. He's Brandon Marcello at B Marcello on Twitter, National College Football Reporter. My friend, thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate you. No problem, uh, BG. I'm trying to think of a cool nickname. There's no, there's no cool nickname for me. There just isn't. There isn't. The Red Rocket. BG. You're. No, don't say that. You're BG because you're always in the background getting the info, man. Oh, that's not bad. That's pretty good. That isn't bad. That's well, he's Brandon Marcello. Red Rocket again. Red Rocket. Thanks, buddy. I have a dog. I don't want to see that. <laughs>
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.